Father, I love you with all my heart. Because of all you've done for me. All that you have provided for me. Through my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Lord, I love you with all my heart. I wonder if we really have half a clue what this is all about. (laughs) I wonder if I do. See, Jesus is alive, brothers and sisters. Did you hear me? Jesus is alive. What can we say? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. I'm not sure if you've heard. I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but Jesus was dead. Stone cold, three days in the grave, dead. All was lost. It was, a, it was a big, cruel hoax. Jesus was a fraud. He was a phony. He tricked us. Everyone that was connected to Jesus was devastated. He was dead. You see, the disciples had put all their eggs in Jesus' basket. That's why some people color eggs today, these days. All right, just, just not really. But they had put all their eggs, everything they had, they believed he was the real deal. But he was dead. He was gone. All was lost. Yet on a bright, quiet, normal Sunday morning, the first day of the week, Anything but normal happened. (laughs) This dead Jesus came alive. And he burst forth from the grave. He arose. Up from the grave he arose. Jesus was alive. (laughs) That news started getting out to those wimpy Christians hiding and cowering behind closed doors. And make no mistake about it. We would have been there with them. But with resurrection excitement, they gathered up all their eggs again and put them back in Jesus' basket. Because He truly was the real deal. Jesus was the Messiah, the true Son of God. The only appropriate response that they could come up with when they met together from the depths of their soul was, He is risen! He is risen. He is risen. Yeah, we would have been there with them. We're wimps too. Father, I love you with all of my heart for all that you've done for me. For all that you have provided for me through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Have you been able to at least in a little way, catch some of the excitement that they were living in those days. Jesus is alive! Say it with me. Jesus is alive! 
We continue our Easter celebration this week. You see here, we, we continue the Easter celebration. Today is the fifth Sunday of Easter. How can we quit celebrating something that is so eternally significant? Those first century Christ followers had been transformed by the resurrection. It's this experience that they had that Jesus was really who He says He was. He's alive. The resurrection had changed them forever. The resurrection defined them for the rest of their lives. Just hanging around those disciples, you could tell something was different. Their lifestyle, post-resurrection lifestyle, drew people to Christ. Attracted people to the risen Lord. There was something different and exciting and transforming about those people. They attracted people to Christ just by their lifestyle. Do we? How did they keep the celebration going? Week after week, month after month, year after year. How did they live in intense, sometimes dangerous service to the risen Lord? How did they change their world and ours? Well, there's probably more than a few answers to those questions. But none more true, none more powerful, none more effective than this. Prayer. The Bible says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. How do you live an obedient life before God on this earth? Prayer. How do you live constantly in this world pleasing the Father? Prayer. How do you overcome temptation in this sin-sick world? Prayer. How do you bring reconciliation to your family over the long haul? Prayer. How do you stay true to God and His principles in high school and college today when everybody else seems to be going a different direction? Prayer. How do you love your neighbor as yourself? Prayer. How do you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Are you catching a pattern here? Are we talking about prayer again, Pastor Chuck? Absolutely. See, those first century, post-resurrection, Christ followers devoted themselves to prayer. (laughs) And they changed their world and ours. One verse this morning, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. In this one verse, four things are emphasized. Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Now, are you trying to say, Pastor Chuck, that prayer is the most important thing on the list? I believe it is. I believe that that was the, if you will, glue that held them together and burst 
the gospel throughout the world. All I know is, whether it is the most important thing on the list or not, all I know is it kept popping up. Everywhere you look, everywhere you read, no matter what they were facing, they prayed. You ever read through the book of Acts? Awesome. Unbelievable. They're always praying. I wonder if they had anything to do with it. Let's take just a quick journey through the book of Acts. Just a real quick journey. First you got Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to prayer. The result was everyone was filled with awe. Wonders and miraculous signs were done. There was unity in the body. Everyone was cared for. Their needs were met. There was praise on their lips. And there was increase. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Prayer. Acts chapter 4 verse 31 says, After they prayed, did you hear that? After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Verse 32 says, All the believers were of one heart and mind. There's that unity thing again. Prayer. Acts chapter 6 verse 4, The disciples chose seven laymen, who were known to be filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom because there were things in the body, these practical things, these issues that came up that they weren't doing very well with. So they chose laymen to help them with that. Why? Why did they do that? To give their attention so that the spiritual leaders could give their attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Acts chapter 7, verse 59 says, While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed. (laughs) Acts chapter 10, verse 9, just matter-of-factly says, Peter went up to the roof to pray. And then it goes on to tell what happened while he was on the roof. It was kind of -of matter-of-fact. This is what he did. He went up to the roof like it was his normal practice. Acts chapter 13, verse 3, Barnabas and Saul were going off on a missionary journey. So they gathered the people around, and the people, after they fasted and prayed, they placed hands on them, and they sent them off. After they fasted and prayed. Acts chapter 16, verse 16, once they were going to a place of prayer, Paul and Silas, once they were going to a place of prayer, again, matter-of-factly, like it was their lifestyle. And as they were on their way to this place of prayer, the slave girl comes up and was, bat- was, was bothering them. She was yelling things to them. Paul got tired of it and said, evil spirit, get out of her. See, she was a fortune teller. And when, he, when the evil spirit got out of her, she couldn't tell fortunes anymore. So the people that owned her were real upset that she couldn't make money for them anymore. So they, they stirred up the crowd. They arrested Paul and Silas. They, they flogged them the, um, severely all, at the, all while they were on their way to prayer. They flogged them severely and threw them into prison. Verse 25 says this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. <laughs> See, you can't avoid it. You absolutely can't miss it. They devoted themselves to prayer. It connected them with God on a regular basis. They couldn't do it on their own. They needed Him. And they gained strength and, and, and direction and, and wisdom and everything else through their prayer life. That as much or more than anything else, kept the excitement of the resurrection up in their lives. It kept their relationship with God strong. You could say that prayer was their vocation. 
What about us today? Are we devoted to prayer like they were? Do you think we should be like they were? Or was that over the top, do you think? Are we devoted to prayer? Is prayer a dominant habit in our lives? If not, why not? Dad, Mom, would your children say, yes, my parents are devoted to prayer? Because they would know. Spouse, would you say my spouse is devoted to prayer? Because they would know. How would you answer that question? Are you devoted to prayer follower of Christ? Or person trying to figure out what it means to follow Christ? Are you devoted to prayer? Why isn't prayer a more significant part of our lives? Those of us that call ourselves faithful followers of Christ. Why isn't it more a part of our lives? Well, I've done a little research on you and me, and I've come up with a few reasons why I believe Prayer isn't more of a dominant habit in our lives. The first thing I believe is it's because of lack of spiritual discipline. I wasn't going to say laziness, but I thought lack of spiritual discipline sounded a little bit better. We are not disciplined in the area of our spiritual life. Everyone here this morning is disciplined about something. Even if it's, I can't miss that Tuesday TV program. I'm going to rearrange my priorities and discipline myself so that I can see my favorite TV program. Everyone is disciplined about something. Maybe you work out like crazy. Everyone's disciplined about something. Yet in the area where it matters most, many of us have a lack of discipline. It is probably the most neglected area of our lives, followers of Christ, this spiritual aspect, this discipline that sends us to our knees. See, they devoted themselves to prayer, and they changed their world and ours. I think for the first, in, the first, in, in, in the first step is, if we became people of prayer, a house of prayer, it would first change our attitudes. It would change first how we treated each other. It would change how we looked at folks that weren't following Christ yet. You see, they devoted themselves to prayer and they changed their world. The Bible says, you do not have because you do not ask God. In other words, we are not spending time praying. Listen, are you a follower of Christ? I mean, I would assume you are, or I'm assuming that you're open to it at least because you're here today. So think with me. Reevaluate your life. Are you a person of prayer? One time Jesus told his disciples that they should always pray and not give up. The Bible says that we are to pray continually or pray without ceasing. We are to be faithful in prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. We should too. It's who we are. It should be. Not lip service. Intimate Sometimes desperate communication with our Father. Another reason why I think we're not devoted to prayer necessarily these days is misplaced priorities. Lack of spiritual discipline. I mean, I was looking at myself and I was reevaluating us. Lack of spiritual discipline and misplaced priorities. See, too often we have allowed our society, our culture, to squeeze us into its mold. 
Before we know it, we are so wrapped up with life that we are too busy to be spiritually disciplined. We're too busy to pray. We're too wrapped up in what's going on around us, in our culture, in our society. The Bible says clearly, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, get your priorities lined up with the Father so that we can be spiritually disciplined people on our knees. Lack of spiritual discipline, misplaced priorities, and perhaps a little bit of lack of faith thrown in for good measure. See, I don't really pray much because I don't really believe much, really. I don't pray much because of that great disappointment in my life, that, that, that thing that just keeps hanging over me, that, that I prayed and I prayed and it really didn't happen. Nothing much happened the way I hoped it would and longed for it to and, and prayed that it would. So God didn't help me then. Why would He help me now? Hard to have faith. Lack of faith. There's a very sad verse of Scripture in Matthew about Jesus' hometown. It says, Jesus did not do many miracles because of their lack of faith. In his hometown, because of their lack of faith. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Perhaps we don't devote ourselves to prayer much because of our Lack of faith, misplaced priorities, lack of spiritual discipline. This month, I'm excited about this, this month we can do something about it. We can begin to change all of that this month. I believe God can use this month to help us become people of prayer, closer to what it means to be a person of prayer. You could call the month of May prayer month. You could call it that. Listen to these opportunities that you have and I have to help us become the people of prayer that God longs for us and has planned for us to be. First of all, May 2nd, which is, I think, today, May 2nd, through the 23rd, there's 21 days of prayer around our community. Think about this now. There's 21 churches in our community that are going to take one day and be responsible for one 24-hour period in that 21-day period. We are one of those 21 churches. Grace Point. Our day is May 16th. But today, there's, there's the, the church first assembly is starting today. Then it moves to Carroll Community Worship Center. And then on and on, Antioch Missionary Baptist Church, True Love Baptist Church, Christian Praise and Fellowship, Love Church, and ends up with Heartland Community Church. So 21 churches. Their responsibility, first assembly's responsibility today is to pray 24 hours today. And in the evening, they will gather for an hour and a half of praise and worship and prayer. May 16th is our day. Happens to be a Sunday night. 
When we will gather, and probably other people from the community will gather as we pray specifically for our world, our country, our community, the body of Christ, we will join together in prayer. I am so excited about this. Because you see, brothers and sisters, when we become one in prayer, God moves. Things happen. So I'm excited about that. May 6th is the National Day of Prayer. It happens to be on a Thursday. So from noon to 1, we're going to gather here, those that can. We're going to gather here and have a one-hour prayer time to commemorate the National Day of Prayer and to humble ourselves before the Lord. And then I think what I'm most excited about, I guess, if I can say it that way, is starting late... On May 12th, running through May 23rd, the day of Pentecost, is our 24-hour-a-day, 10 days praying before the Lord, our body of Christ. 241-hour slots that you can choose one or more and spend an hour in our prayer room. There's a display and a sign-up table right out there that you can sign up for a time. Last year was the first year that we did this, our 24-hour-a-day prayer for 10 days. We had nearly 240 people involved. Almost every hour was filled. And the stories that came out of that setting, out of that room, just blessed me to no end. One person after another told me about God moving in their hearts and in their lives as they prayed in that prayer room on their slot, maybe at three in the morning. You see, they waited and prayed. They waited and prayed. They waited and prayed, and God poured out His Spirit upon them at the day of Pentecost. Or, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They devoted themselves to prayer. That's how they kept the celebration going. That's how they changed their world and ours. See, it's really a lifestyle issue. Discipline, priorities, faith. It's a lifestyle issue. They devoted themselves to prayer and they changed their world. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble, them, humble themselves and pray. What I'm going to ask you to do is to join me this month to turn the tide in our lives and to truly become the people of prayer and devotion that God is calling us to be. Now, reevaluate yourself now. Are you a person of prayer? Are you devoted prayer. Let's take full advantage of these opportunities that God has placed in our path along our journey this month. See, Father, I, I love you with all of my heart for all that you've done for me, all that you've provided for me through Jesus Christ, my Lord. I love you, Father. I love you, Jesus, with all of my heart. After the resurrection, what can I do 
but bow before you humbly and pour out my heart to you and become a person of intimate communication with God. Brothers and sisters, think with me now. Do you want something to change in your life? Do you need something to change in your life? Become a person of prayer. And it will change. (laughs) Let me back up. You will change. This morning, we have the privilege of celebrating the Lord's Supper again together. We, We celebrate this morning, Father, as we partake together of the Lord's Supper. And as we do, I would like us, as we receive the elements, I would like us to commit all over again to a lifestyle of prayer. And may people say about us, years later, they devoted themselves to prayer. Father, Oh, Father, your children are in need of you more than ever before. In many ways, it's harder than it's been before, Lord. We need you more. Help us, Lord, to live consistently on our knees. Help us to be people that are devoted to prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the example from your first century followers of Christ of how a life of prayer changed everything for them, drew them ever closer to you, and helped them to make it through even the most severe persecution. While he was being stoned, Stephen prayed. Lord, there's someone here today that are, they're going through something that's very deep and dark and difficult. While they're going through that, help them to pray. Help them to trust. Help them to have spiritual discipline. Rearrange their priorities where necessary and have faith that you truly can move in their lives. Father, as we gather around your table, we celebrate and recommit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name. Those that are going to help us with the elements this morning, come at this time.